Hello, KBMD Health and GCP Gut Check Project listeners. This is Eric, and let's get to our sponsors for the new-to-come-up COVID file number five. Of course, brought to you by Unrefined Bakery, unrefinedbakery.com. Save 20%, and I can't say this enough, save 20% on your first order. All you got to do is use code GUTCHECK when you check out. They will deliver the food directly to you. We're all still practicing socially uh, being distanced. And with gut check uh, code, you can save 20% at Unrefined Bakery. Incredible food. I even sent some to my good buddy here, Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown, what did you think of having Unrefined Bakery make a delivery to your home? Well, it was a ginormous, pleasant surprise. And when we open up the podcast and we talk about why you sent it, then I will explain how much, how many smiles it brought to the house. But absolutely, having food that you know is gluten-free, dairy-free if you need it, they'll cater to keto, they'll cater to vegan, whatever it is that you need. We know that all health begins and ends in the gut. And our friends at Unrefined Bakery make sure that your gut is healthy so that you can have a healthy immune system. Yeah, a big hello to Taylor and Ann for making certain that they just kept everything going. So throughout this entire pandemic, they've made certain that Unrefined Bakery lived up to their name, whether we are having a national crisis or not, incredible food delivered directly to you. Use code GUTCHECK, save 20% today. And of course, we are always brought to you by Autron Teal. Autron Teal, we're going to get beyond Autron Teal and talking just about gut health. We're going to talk about the fact that this is chock full of polyphenols. And then you can take the word polyphenol and run in all kinds of different direction on how you're going to protect your health, protect your immunity, as well as protect your gut health. So Atron Teal, go to lovemytummy.com slash KBMD, use code GCP and save some money. Dr. Brown. Yeah, it's funny because people are like, man, what's a polyphenol? What is it? But then, you know, they go to Dr. Oz and they go, I want you to take Reservatrol. You need to take Quercetin. You need to take turmeric. These are all smaller polyphenols. We're learning so much about the science. We're going to talk about it on this podcast about how we have been speaking with scientists around the world and how if you have a large, stable polyphenol, it's a combination of all these smaller polyphenols that you're already buying that can make you healthier. That's how come we're so excited to be in this position that Atron Teal has been ahead of the curve the whole time. And when we talk polyphenols, you got to think Atron Teal. Atron Teal, get your daily polyphenols. Doesn't matter if you're sedentary or an awesome athlete benefit from polyphenols today lovemytummy.com slash kbmd and i love how you say that doesn't matter if you're sedentary or an awesome athlete because i can just imagine some guy in quarantine eating chips being like i used to be an athlete no i'm sedentary (laughs) that sounds like me four weeks ago and then (laughs) decided to stop eating as much and then of course we are brought to you by kbmd health where we feature KBMD Health CBD, and now we also feature the professional version of broccoli. Go to kbmdhealth.com. Use code GCP and save 20% off of any CBD. And of course, we, like I said, we, we just unveiled broccoli professional version. Dr. Brown, talk about that. It's, a, it's incredible. So we only have three products. So you go to a lot of different websites and they'll have 50 products. We definitely understand the science behind CBD and how Atron Teal helps our endocannabinoid system using CBD and being synergistic. Then we've been having these meetings with the Broccoli team, David and John, John's the PhD, and the science is unrefutable. Basically, we added our third product and I only have things that I can promise you are backed by science, backed by good people, and I'm so thrilled that we're working with them. Broccoli with turmeric and Atron Teal, and quite honestly, my magic combination, the KBMD CBD plus Atron Teal plus Broccoli, you got your bases covered. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Sophirophanes and Sophirophanes science is equally just as revolutionary as uh, polyphenol science, and they really work together. I want to say one thing, and people are like, oh, well, I've been on Amazon, and I see broccoli sprouts. That's not the deal. No, no, no. Broccoli is so unique that it has the world's, and I'm going to say world's only, because the only other one that comes a little bit close is prostaphane in France, which is considered a drug for prostate cancer. 
David and his team have developed special machines. So it's not like they can outsource the manufacturing. No. You can only get it there where it's stable sulforaphane. And you can look at that molecule, but it turns on a pathway called the NRF2 pathway. Now, what that does is that is potent anti-inflammatory, potent anti-cancer. What do polyphenols do? Potent anti-inflammatory, potent anti-cancer. What does CBD do? It regulates your immune system. You can see how it all plays into itself. So the fact that a company can't even outsource the manufacturing, to me, says it all. Without a question. And I, without stretching out uh, the ads too long before we get into uh, our episode, it's almost like knowing where your CBD comes from to trust it, you need to know where your sulforaphane source is coming from to trust it. And they've, they've got the only stable sulforaphane available in a capsule, period. Absolutely. So, so thank you to our sponsors. Absolutely. Head to kbmdhealth.com and use code GCP today. All right, guys, let's get the show started. We'll see you in a minute. Hello, Gut Check Project fans, KBMD Health Community. This is Eric with your host, Dr. Ken Brown. Installment number five, COVID file. We're here to, uh, well, you know what? I actually, I'm not going to say what we're here to do because what Brown said, do you, he said, do you know what I've got in store? And I said, not, not all the way. And he goes, good, because I'm not going to tell you. So. So this is COVID files number five. Uh, 4.5 was me and Dr. Ackerman, and I love our little part-time co-host, Dr. Ackerman. That is a smart dude. He challenges me to tear apart the literature, and it is, and we're going to do more with him because it, it allows us to critically evaluate the literature, and he is very academic in his brain, and he's an incredible doctor. But the point fives kind of wear me out. Every once in a while, I just need like a whole number. I'm really bad at math and, you know. So this episode, we've been so busy doing so many things, and we'll get into that right now. But this episode, I realize I'm talking to all my staff. We're talking to patients, and there's an underlying theme here across the board. And it is, I'm stressed, I'm worried, how does that affect my gut? And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about ways to cope and be happy. This is going to be a fun, you know, self-help episode that based on science, always based on science. Everything we do is based on science. So that's what I want this to be. I want this to be all about the tricks, tips to stay healthy, to stay healthy and get happy. Because if you're happy, then your other systems like your gut and your immune system are going to be better performing. So you didn't even know that we we're going to do this episode, but that's what we're doing today. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I can tell you one thing just off the top. Once we started doing the COVID recap, we kind of stopped a little bit as we got a little bit more serious. And uh, we abandoned a little bit talking of uh, patients, I mean, our families, I'm sorry, family and catching up and stuff like that. I got to say, I know it was a pandemic and, and hearts out to everybody who suffered. But for us personally, I've been home. I got a senior who's graduating. We got to put in a lot more family time. Sophomore kiddo in the house is hilarious. Wife and I got a lot more walks and bike rides in. You know, I, I didn't work for weeks. Didn't make any money. But at the same time, I feel a little richer just by some of the extra family time. So Stu keeps sending videos. So he's gotten into the whole fact of taking some videos based on doing some stuff with us. And he's got his kids doing stuff. They're doing the Ackerman News Network. He's keeping them busy. And I realized, I'm like, wait a minute. Both you, Eric, and Stu have found a way to remain happy, keep your family engaged. And I'm like, that's what this episode's going to be about. Because you guys did it intrinsically. You naturally are able to find that. And that's what I want to talk about, but more on kind of a science level. So it was very hard to sit there and do some of those episodes when the pandemic was starting and we're like, hey, Eric, tell me about your family. And it's like, and then the next line is, one million people have coronavirus. This many people have died. This, we're getting away from that a little bit now because we realize we're in a pandemic. We're in this thing. But now it's time to realize this may be a very slow exit from here. And what you did embracing your kids and what Stu has done where he sat with his family and they've, he's turned little movie stars out of his daughters and they're, uh, he's absolutely screwed because they're going to want to go to acting school now and all this other stuff. But that is the kind of stuff because when I sit with my employees that are stressed to the hilt, single moms, they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm waking up with panic attacks. 
Dr. Brown, how can I do something? And so I was, you know, we're starting to open up the economy here in Texas or, or open up Governor Abbott's letting more people get around each other. Now I'm getting all these patients calling me going, I'm terrified. I have this disease. My employer now wants me to go back. How do I, I have to go back, but I'm having panic attacks. What do I do? Well, let's do a podcast on that. That's what I thought. Well, that makes sense to me. Um, I think it'd be a great idea to do exactly that because inevitably we've got to move on. We can't sit around and uh, you, you just don't want to get lost in watching the counts on television or keeping up with the, na- the next latest fad on uh, what was one of the crazy things I heard someone saying using a hairdryer, shoving that up your nose to blast away coronavirus. I mean, we need to be practical. Can I stop you right there? Is that seriously a fad? Because I've been doing that. <laughs> well, I want to let you know that your notes are flowing. They're beautiful. I know. At the very least, I've not been clipping them, so I at least singed them back to a presentable <laughs> level. Yeah, I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have some new fads come out of this thing. I think that some of the '70s hairstyles are gonna come back. I haven't had a haircut. Oh my gosh. I am absolutely loving the crazy hair. I mean, this is awesome. My kids, well, we'll get into it, but basically you do these workouts, you get sweaty and you realize how long your hair is. I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. Well, you know, I've seen more and more people uh, who've, who've been wearing the mask in public, of course, over time. I'm kind of curious if there are people who generally snack while they, while they walk or while they do things. But now that they're in public, they have this, maybe they'll, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe weight loss will be inevitable because people will have uh, a social covering where they There's don't. All kinds of things. So, one of the things I want to try with this episode, so that people are looking at this, go, man, every time you do this, get so bogged down with science, and it's an hour. I talked to Stu about that. He's like, man, I love doing this, but are we capturing the audience? I'm like, I don't know. Let's try and do a little quicker and see what happens. I don't know. I personally just like sharing information and being totally honest about this. This is not about trying to um, develop it. I mean, I want my audience to be happy and we're, we're gaining a significant amount of traction. But in this particular case, let's see if we can not get too off track because you and I, I do. <laughs> You're always perfect, but I always get off track. So Perfect's kind of hard, but we'll, we'll see. Thank you, though. For so that. I'm going to throw this out to you. Tell me something a little personal now that we're not going to get too heavy. What's going on with the fam? Sam's doing great. Gage is uh, still bracing himself. They've, they've, uh, he's headed up to Texas Tech uh, for this fall. Will be his, uh, uh, his first year in college. Uh, the orientation was moved to virtual orientation. They have to do that. Uh, the level apparently trending in Lubbock currently is, is, is apparently flattening out and, and, and uh, for right now coming back down. So, uh, He'll have an online virtual orientation. Mac is wrapping up his sophomore year at school, and he just left the house to do a bike ride. And for how far, who knows or who cares? He and his he and his brother have, have taken off and uh, traded out their their turns to uh, to get some bike riding in, and that's what they've been doing. Um, Marie's remained busy for her uh, in her business. Social media is. Uh, People still keep up like that. So she actually saw a boon in business over time. And That's then, awesome. Yeah. And actually, I went to work today for the first time. I did anesthesia Woo! for the first time in seven weeks. It was nice. Woo! Did yeah. the patient flop around and scream the whole time and be like, I'm not out? Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit of a learning curve to remember how some of the buttons <laughs> work, but I wouldn't do that. What about well, you? Tell you what. Well, uh, so family's doing great. We also have um, been uh, doing pretty well during this whole quarantine. We've... Um, Small setback, which is where the uh, uh, the unrefined bakery comes in. Unfortunately, Lloyda was um, enjoying playing around with the kids a little bit, and she hurt herself, and so we had to have a little small setback on that. But she's doing awesome, and she's got to stiff up and rip about it, and it won't be able to drive for about six weeks. But we're getting through it. I thought it was really cool. I walked into the garage, and Lucas was with his computer with six other of some of the top level tennis players with a trainer there and he's watching all of them and he's training them and he's saying they're they're all in different parts of the country it's a zoom thing yeah and lucas is you know i just took a picture of it i thought that was just so beautiful that all the all these kids are still working out the trainer's still riding them and then i I go back inside and my daughter is turned it so lucas is like doing this virtual athlete thing 
And Carla is sitting on the couch. She is the world's greatest quarantine person. She was like uh, cross-stitching and becoming like an old grandma. I mean, just we, we call her. It's really funny. So she is having no problems just sort of chilling with the school, I mean, online school and all that. Man. Yeah. So, and then me personally, uh, you and I have been busy. I mean, levels of busy that I have never done. For instance, I did Wellness Mama podcast. Shout out to Wellness Mama and their team. Wow, that was cool. Nice. Yeah. Definitely. Did that one. And then you and I have been doing some other cool stuff. You want to tell everybody about that? Just tons of research. I mean, there's, there's always been the idea of what you wanted to do on researching polyphenols or even just other natural compounds and how they can make a difference. And ultimately, we were just forced into a lot of free time that we just didn't know that we were going to have that we needed to dedicate to work and keep up with different things. But it just turned into immense research, thrusting us all the way to just yesterday. We just received our first sample of what a point of care antibody test. Oh, so because of all the stuff that we've been doing and shout out to Angie Cook. I mean, Angie Cook. Without question. He's working as hard as we are, and I'm getting stuff. Yeah, so because of this, we have access to unique people that reach out to us, like people that have a legit SARS-CoV-2 antibody test right there. And what this is, what is unique about this is there's a lot of bad press going on right now, but these guys teamed up with a software company called Remedy. And what those two QR scans Bars that's unlike anything else. So you can imagine it comes in a kit like this. I just poke a finger and then we can determine if you're IgG, IgM positive, go back to COVID 4.5 to learn what that means. But then we get it, it scans straight to the CDC. And that is a game changer. And because of all the work that we've been doing and the contacts that you know, we are in a position to work with a company that may frame what this country is going to do when they come back to work. So I'm super excited and we're always working really hard to do this. And there's pros and cons to it. Please listen to 4.5. That's what I love about Stu. He's a scientist. And he says, and me, I say, we will, we have to be the people that are going to help develop some of this data that everybody else can do. Somebody has to jump over the fence. And Traditionally, you and I have been fence jumpers, and sometimes we get bit, sometimes we do right. So, you know who else is fence jumpers and, and really, really a lot of fun is going to be those that are on uh, or that are part of the patient base that you've had that make up most of KBND Health that watch this show because they've always been so, so energized of wanting to get involved. And this is going to be yet another opportunity to do exactly that, hopefully. When we get these and when we're cool with this and when we're ready to do this, we'll do a Zoom with my staff. We will all have this. We'll do a point of care. They'll all be in the office. So it is at an office. We'll do a thing. All you do is pop this off, prick your finger, put it in, wait 10 minutes, and then it shows if you're IgM or IgG positive. We don't know yet if the IgG positive makes you immune. We're hoping SARS-CoV-1 in 2003, they were immune. But if we can start being part of the solution, that's the deal, Eric, is that we're trying to get past this. We're working with scientists all around the world. We've had Zoom calls with people at the same time. I mean, technology is amazing. And that's what we're going to talk about on the show is that, yes, we have this thing going on, but we also have all this crazy technology. We had a Zoom call with like 20 people. We had people in Argentina. We had people in Spain. We had people in Italy. We had all these people in the United States. And everybody is sharing knowledge. They're just dumping it there. What can you do for this? How do we set up a protocol? How is this? And everybody on that call had a little piece of the puzzle that led to a protocol that now the Argentinians and the Italians are having a protocol using polyphenols to potentially see if it can help COVID-19. And it was accepted by both ministries of health. They would like us to try and do something in the United States. It is just an honor that, yes, my job stopped and I became busier and made zero money, but I'm thankful that I have people like Angie Cook on our team. I'm thankful that we have the rest of the team on KBS, Brandy, Anthony, Mike, Chuck, to 
trust us that where we're heading is an incredible place. And the ultimate goal is that we may make a difference moving forward. Might not, but we've got some science to back us. So that's what I want to talk about today. How do we have science to back our mood? So that's where we're at. Yeah, I love it. I love everything about it. And the cool thing is, is if we can be a part of even just the information gathering, you're not going to get anywhere without information. And the coolest part is we've got so many willing participants who've said, I would like to partake in that. Uh, great. I want to be a part of it too. So it, it, it'll be a lot of fun. You mean like on KBMD Health Instagram where I, I asked Paul to post your picture holding it and then you've been bombarded by uh, instant messages? And I think everybody should call Ryan Fry. So if you're a friend of mine, you should call Ryan Fry. That's exactly who you should call. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's jump into this because the ultimate thing is I want to make sure that if anybody's having any stressful times over this, we're going to talk about a few things. And um, I've been looking at, I've, I've always tried to talk uh, or I've always tried to teach myself a bunch of different things to try and control my anxious brain because I run at a little uh, higher anxiety level than most people, I would say. And <clears throat> a time like this would be overwhelming if I didn't have techniques that I've tried to employ. And so some of the things I've been turned on to uh, somebody called Lori Santos, who has a podcast, but she also has a Yale courses. You look at her videos and it's all based on science. I'm a big fan of reading uh, Stoic philosophy books like Ryan Holiday, and then ultimately trying to stay logical and finding techniques to do this. So that's what I want to talk about today. We all have setbacks. We all have things that happen to us, but this particular period has turned everything upside down. People are feeling overwhelmed. They're angry. They're alone. So let's do this podcast on some tips, tricks to reframe the perspective and gain control of your own brain. That's what I want this one to be about. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Exactly. Let's try it. All right. So I wanted to do it in a couple, um, three different broad categories okay. that have been successful for me. All right. So I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I just want to tell everybody what's, what's kind of helped me a little bit. Okay. That's all, that's all this is. So number one, learning from the Greek Stoics. Now, I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that I'll reference Ryan Holiday and the Daily Stoic and things like that. Ryan Holiday is an author who has been on, um, he's getting, written multiple books. He's written the book, The Obstacle is the Way and The Daily Stoic. I have The Daily Stoic uh, where, next to my bed where when I wake up, I try and read something and, and start my day off that way. There's a guy named Bill Irvine who wrote a really cool book called The Stoic's Challenge, A Philosopher's Guide to Becoming Tougher calmer and more resilient. Now in this time where we're having to postpone things and we're having to, we got that text from Nick where he's going to be married. Is he going to be able to get married? Do you make a plan? Do you do this? Do you have to postpone the wedding? And that's just one stressor for somebody that's going to get married. Now, what about the guy that loses his job or the man or woman that loses their job? Um, when Lloyd got hurt uh, in the hospital, they don't allow loved ones. And you know, she's, She's tough. She's going to be fine. She's in shape. But what about the people that are dying of cancer that can't see their loved ones because of social distancing? I just started thinking about all that. About all of that. And then the Stoic philosophy is not about ignoring the emotion. It is about skillfully avoiding negative emotions. So a lot of people think that Stoics just don't feel anything. That's not the, that's not the thing. It's about avoiding the negative emotions. We have a lot more control than we think. And ultimately, you've heard this a ton of times. It's been said since we've been on earth. Worrying about something that is out of your control is a waste of time. But we do it all the time. I do it all the time. I do too. I mean, it is so hard. And then I started thinking about that. And I remember Jack Alaka, the PhD that is in our group who I admire so much. He keeps referring to when your reptilian brain takes over. And what he means by that is when your logical brain gets overridden by the reptilian brain, we have our reptilian brain, our brainstem, which tells us and keeps us from getting killed. 
sometimes it becomes a wrestling match between your prefrontal cortex trying to tell you, hey, dude, it's all good. And your reptilian brain going, no, it's not. We're going to die. We got to run right now. And it becomes this wrestling match. And so it's this battle between the evolved brain and where we've come from. Maybe a thousand years from now, the reptilian brain becomes nothing. But right now, we still have to deal with it. In other words, that's the fight or flight. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I'm stressed out, it's because your fight or flight is taking over. So let's talk about how we can maybe get the reptilian brain to calm down a little bit and let your logical brain kick in. All right. Are you following me? Yeah, I'm totally following you. All right. So we have about five seconds, generally speaking, to reframe any situation that you're in. Okay. So if you get angry, then you have about five seconds to get control. So for instance, you're working in your garage, drop a hammer, hit your toe. What do you do? Eric. First thing is, uh, wow. Probably say words I wouldn't say on our show. And you should. That's the cool thing. Yeah. You can do that. And I do it. Five seconds. Not going to stop. I'm going to do it. (laughs) And, um, and then, Younger me, I think, would be kind of miffed. Older me, now I'm, I was looking at him and I kind of assess the situation on how did it fall. I mean, immediately, because I want to find out if it's going to keep falling oh, or if something else is coming. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that is your cerebral cortex suppressing the reptilian brain. That's awesome. I hope that happens. That, when I was younger, younger me didn't do that. Younger me was very emotional, getting kind of upset and want to move everything out of the way, take it on a lots of inanimate objects because it probably the desk is friends with other hammers that also have it in for my toe. And, uh, but now it's, now it's far more logical. I don't, I, it's, it's probably something neglectful that I did. And if not, I probably won't put myself in that situation anymore. See, you automatically have these skills. So, you know, like uh, think about road rage and stuff. Something happens, <laughs> escalates. Now you're in a different situation. Now you're in a worse situation. There's a Buddhist philosophy that if you get hit with one arrow, then you ask yourself, is getting hit with one arrow bad? Yes, it is. Is two and three arrows worse? Yes, it is. Typically, the second and third arrow are under our control. Right. So you, what you just said is fantastic. A younger you would have thrown the hammer through the window. Now you got to fix the damn window. You hit the cat, the neighbor's cat. I got to deal with that. So that is one of those things. So it's like, this is training for life. I love that you literally have developed these skills without ever thinking them. You said a younger me would have done this, but me now looks for reason. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Younger me was, was not very well equipped to handle hammer toe. All right. So here's the two techniques. So if you're listening if somebody's going, I don't really care how Eric handles dropping a hammer on my toe because I still throw the hammer. Here's the two <laughs> techniques to do this. Stoic philosophers describe two very common techniques um, to help you. The first one is called framing. And framing is when a situation happens, give yourself five seconds to throw those curse words out to be the, the let the reptilian brain out there, but you'll be five seconds. Because more than that, then it becomes an emotion that you can't control. Five seconds, then frame it immediately when something happens. And there's two very common frames. And I'm not a stoic philosopher, obviously, but these are the ones that I use. Remember, this is how I try and control my my emotions. One is comedic framing. So if something happens, Figure a way that it's kind of funny, even if it's not you. If it's somebody else, you know, that'd be pretty funny if somebody else saw it. If I saw Eric accidentally drop a hammer on his toe, I'd be like, dude, you okay? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're so dumb. You had like Vaseline on your hands and you grabbed the hammer and you swung it. Then it becomes funny immediately. Sure. So doing a comedic frame helps with that. And then the other one, which is much more in line with my personality that's easier for me to do, is called a story timeline. So basically, we're in a situation. So the comedic framing is really good for an immediate event. Hammer drops on your toe, you figure out how to fix that. You figure out how to make it funny for yourself. But we're in a pandemic. If you're in a war, if you're in a period, then 
this you you can't just make a joke of it and move on and be logical and one of the things that the stoics have done is that they say focus on the story timeline how will i be able to tell my grandchild about this event that's going on right now i want to be able to on the other side of this how will i be perceived once again with my office when we sat and had a meeting, we're like, do we furlough people? And Dr. Ackerman said, before we even talk about that, how do we want to be perceived when this thing on the other side? We want to be known as bosses that treated their employees well. So let's start with that and work our way back. This is exactly what this is. This is how, how will I sit there and tell my grandkids how I handled the war? The Stockholm paradox in, in the book, Good to Great, that you and I are reading in business, Right. He was a prisoner of war for seven years. And he said the people that died were the ultimate optimists. He was an optimist, but a realist. In other words, I know I'm going to get out of here eventually. How am I going to tell my children about this story? That brings a certain amount of distance and it allows you to have control of where it is. So when you want to give up, when you want to say, I want to panic, just go, how will I be telling my grandchild? Because I will get through this. How do I tell my 12-year-old grandchild that I went through a pandemic and I lost my job and I had friends that died, but this is what I did and I kept going. So the Stoics use two different framings. If it's a short term, use comedic. If we're going to be in it for a battle, a war, frame it so that you you describe who you are older telling your children that which i thought was pretty cool what's your thoughts on that actually that is kind of transcended to a bunch of different uh, scenarios i mean i can remember uh before before i we we had kids right you just thought there's the the idea the concept of kids these little people that you have no idea. You don't think of them really necessarily as a piece of you because they don't exist yet. They're just, it's a, it's a concept. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm a kid of my parents, right? So then suddenly you have them and you go kind of through a little bit. Of, well, I think most people do a little bit of a panic phase. Like, what do I do with this very, very fragile thing? Yeah. Then when the interaction begins, you kind of learn a little bit about each other. You quickly realize that, you're creating memories, and I thought back to my parents and how I wanted to be able to tell my kids how cool my parents were to me. But uh-huh. I then started thinking, I want them to say how good of a dad I am to them. So you automatically frame. So you, you're you're a very funny guy. So you automatically comedically frame things, and you automatically have this story timeline. And you did it with two generations. That's awesome. Think about my dad. I was perceived by that. I want my kids to do this. You do it naturally. That may yeah. be one of the reasons why you're, you're perpetually happy. I, I, I don't know. I guess so. My, my, my parents were both kind of like that. They can, they can both tell stories about their families from two or three generations back as if they were almost there and obviously that they weren't, right? But they, and it's usually the funny stories that make its way up, right? No, and who wants to tell the, the bummers, they, if, if those people are part of this narrative, they usually probably don't show up that much. But make, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But you, you begin to frame things around the idea of what do I want them to carry forward? Because that ultimately will shape the way that you're handling the situation, I guess. 100%. So that comes very natural to you. Now, I'm going to tell you one that probably is not natural to you, but is intrinsic to me, which is interesting. We've both had some loss. And for whatever reason, this particular practice grounds me. And the Stoics call it practice negativism. So what you just described was this positive thing. I want to create this thing. It's much harder to think about. But when you get really down on something, or if you get or if you're starting to get down on something, then imagine that it's not there and what your life would be. But not like imagine a little bit, like get deep into it. So imagine what it would be like if my spouse died. And just go, 
No, not like, but like, think about it. like, it's a form of meditation is what it is. So you yeah. stop for a few moments and you think about this. I hate my job. What would it be like if I was unemployed? What would it be like if I was broke and had no job? I'm really upset at my spouse. What would it be like if your spouse was deceased and that person did not exist? And it's an interesting thing because what it does, if you, if you really think about it, then when you see your spouse, you're just like loving. You're like, because every day could be the last day sort of philosophy. And you, this is something that a lot of people don't like, but for some reason it resonates with me because I've had loss. And I, I sometimes think, you know, the job was tough today, but what if I didn't have a job? And, oh shit, COVID showed up, but I didn't have a job. <laughs> now I'm like, I miss my job. I miss it. I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, no, that, uh, that is, I don't, I won't say I have never done that, but you're right. That does not come quite naturally to me to, uh, to just basically you're saying to find something that's bothering me today and just, okay, well now it doesn't exist at all. Now, where are you? Yeah. Now, where are you? Cause you'd be surprised because a lot of yeah. times that person that you think is annoying is really important in your life. That job that you are frustrated with is necessary in your life. Regardless, it, the goal here is to reframe so that you can take control. Even if you don't agree with it, all it is taking a step back and going, these emotions are making me stressed, anxious, and so on. So that I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to reframe. The Stoics call this reframing so that you can control that. So that is the Stoic philosophy of how to do this. And okay. like the Stoic philosophy that I have garnered that helps me. Sure. That makes sense though. And you're already doing it, which is interesting. Well, what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that um, a, a few employees approach me and there's some people that are, um, well, they're having straight up panic attacks. Yeah. Straight up panic attacks right now. People are flipping out. And so I want to talk about why panic and anxiety is bad. And as somebody who probably has a mild form or it could be a horrible form of, of panic disorder, but I have always been on the curve of having more anxiety than just being a chill, chill person. Let's put it that way. I think you are a little more chill. I'm a little more on the uptight, anxious side. And so I wanted to talk about that, like why panic and anxiety serve zero purpose. Right. And they, and they do. I don't, I really don't know what to make of them. It's not something that's really not something I've ever been accused of as being overly anxious or uh, panicky or someone who gets unnecessarily worked up. That's not really my thing. I don't know. Yeah. And that's a wonderful thing. And I was talking with one of our employees on Wednesday and she was telling me that she has panic attacks and her daughter is starting to have panic attacks. And she would, I loved it because she's like, I, I'll handle mine, but watching my daughter have a panic attack, I need to find some ways to get out of it. So that's how come I started thinking about this. I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast on this. And, we're gonna, oh, and I, and we're I gonna believe that they are legitimate. No, no doubt. It's, it's, uh, I just wish, I wish I had more sympathy and not only empathy for the position because I don't really, I don't know. Um, I think that when I feel something kind of getting a little out of control, then I, uh, well, my dad got sick. I knew what was going to end up happening. Yeah. But I, but I prepared myself for the bad parts of what was happening with my dad as he was dying from cancer. And I compartmentalized the, the bad part of being the, the biology of cancer and how he, he couldn't outrun it. And, and we're, nobody would outrun it really where he was. The flip of it was is the, it left me with all the good parts, which were just hanging out with him and talking about the times that we had together, the memories and, and just kind of reliving some things together, which was great. But I didn't, I didn't associate my time or my conversations with him while just constantly thinking about his cancer. We, we just talked about the fun shit that we had done. So I truly believe that your father had that framing mechanism in place because I know that he was in pain, but I know that he probably met with you and said, I want to be remembered like this. 
I don't want to be remembered in certain ways. So when you would tell me about that, even in the last few days, you guys had a great relationship. Definitely. And he grew up remembering somebody else. He grew up remembering, tell the story so it can be told again. So yeah. I think that's cool. Um, but for somebody that doesn't have this, and if you have this, I feel for you because it's been there. Um, I looked up a guy named Ethan Cross, and he is an expert in this. And he is an expert in how emotion regulates planning. So we're in an era where a lot of people are experiencing anxiety that they've never experienced before, and it's new to them. So when you have anxiety, what happens is you will overfocus on something and have poor decision making. You're less logical. It's one of the reasons why everyone went out and brought, bought all the toilet paper. I mean, what the heck? That was crazy. There's just no reason for that. We don't have a shortage of it. They're there. But they didn't sit there and think, oh, in the pantry, I'm lacking this and this and this. They panicked. They went there. And this is what happens. When you're over-focused on a threat, there's no mental space to work on a higher level. So if you're all, which is good, if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, it's bad if the threat's not leaving. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. I mean, so in an instant, it's okay to have quick panic. But, pro but prolonged panic is dangerous. I agree with that. Prolonged panic, a prolonged anxiety does one thing, and you know this, and we've talked about this on other shows. It's the fight or flight system, which means your sympathetic nervous system kicks in. When the sympathetic nervous system kicks in, that leads to chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation leads to biological system shutting down. It leads to your immune system wearing out. So if there's anything you're going to get out of this, it's that... When you're panicked, you're predisposing yourself to the things that you're panicked about. Well, what do you think the what do you think the correlation then would be between somebody who's experiencing uh, chronic and uh, chronic anxiety uh, or um, I don't know frequent panic attacks and a lack of sleep? I mean, it's, it's all of the above. So that's what this is about. That's what I want to talk about is as somebody who's had um, significant anxiety, I mean, I grew up as a stutterer. I had, I answered a question on a Reddit thing where somebody said, if anybody's ever stuttered, what have you, what would you recommend? And I was like, I, I did for the first 20 years of my life. And I worked through it. And I tried to do it. And my anxiety led to stuttering. And then I realized I can, I will never stop stuttering unless I get control of the anxiety. And the anxiety is a thing because ultimately you have to have emotional regulation. Everybody's flipping out right now. You have to have the ability to align how you feel to how you want to feel. Sure. So if you're panicking, you need to have the skills to say, I'm panicking. I want to be in a better place. You're not trying to turn it off. You're just trying to rein it in. Like right now, it's almost impossible to shut it off completely. You can't be that, like we were talking earlier about the Stoics. They're not turning off their emotions. What you're doing is you're trying to make sense of it. What this is doing is having some skills to try and have emotional regulation. Mm. Because having some anxiety is important. If we didn't have some anxiety, we would have zero social distancing. <laughs> and we would have a pandemic beyond any proportion. Yeah. And we know that this is bigger than anything that's ever happened in most people's lifetimes. So having some anxiety is important. It, it, it helps us uh, help each other. But I want to talk about two really cool techniques. I'm going to call these brain hacks um, backed by science. Okay. So these brain hacks backed by science. So the first one that this guy, um, Ethan Cross, has written about is psychological distancing. And I think this is super cool because you and I do it to each other all the time. When we work together, we show up and we're like, hey, man, what would you do with this? And it's a problem that I can't figure out that I throw to you. You show up to work and you're like, ah, I'm kind of torn with this. Mac, Gage, this, what, school, blah, blah, whatever. Whatever thing that you're emotionally tied to, you go to a third person and you're trying to get a different perspective. All right. And so it's, that, it's that, that third person perspective because the person you're talking to um, essentially is somebody that doesn't have 
or they don't have the emotional baggage associated with it. So going back to the original thing, when you're anxious, you can't use your full prefrontal cortex to make a decision. Part of your reptilian brain is going, ah, I don't want my son to go to the wrong school. Ah, I want this, ah, um, or anything, you know, everything that you're emotional about. So you go to a friend and you go, oh, I never thought of it that way. That's odd. What, what's, what key thing applies to everyone all over the planet who, who ultimately will go and get advice on it, and that is finances, financial advice. Our emotion is tied up with our belongings, our ownings, our homes, our things that we want to invest in our vacations, et cetera. But the reason why over more and more time, financial advisors have become such a great person to help us is because they can look at your finances without bias, without emotion. They can help you actually probably achieve more of what you want actually emotionally by showing you logically how to move and utilize the money that you're bringing in. That's absolutely a really cool thing that you just highlighted there on how you would uh, uh, throw that to a third person. That makes sense to me. It t- makes total sense, right? So they've done incredible studies on this. So this guy, Ethan Cross is the head of the emotion regulation department at university of Michigan. And they've done lots of studies that you're not going to believe this. When you mentally refer to yourself in the third person, you can be more objective. They did studies where they took people and they said, we want you to apply for your dream job and you're going to be graded. You're going to be evaluated by a team of judges, but they took half the people and they said, I, they had no idea what they were doing. They signed up for a volunteer thing. Apparently, public speaking is more stressful than pain. Um, so like you don't shock people or things like that. So they, were gonna, they said, you have 10 minutes to prepare a public speech. You're going to go in front of judges. You're going to be filmed. and You're going to be critiqued on this. They took half of them and they said, we want you to start with, I am going to give a speech which will determine the course of my life. The other half... Eric is going to give a speech or Ken is going to give a speech. You refer to yourself in the third person. All right, Ken, you're going to give a speech. It's going to change your life. Let's see if we can do this. And shockingly, they did an incredible job when you can separate yourself and refer to yourself in the third person. So even though you go to somebody else, psychologically, linguistically, when you say, Ken, how am I going to handle this COVID crisis? Okay, Ken, you're on call. You just got 10 consults. We got this. Using these words internally, don't say it out loud because people will find you weird. Yeah. That's the only thing. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm here to watch Eric do some stuff. Yeah. He's, done. He's a pretty good guy. Yeah. Just out loud. Just be like, yeah. Ken's scoping like a beast yeah. now. Watch Ken take this polyp out. You know, no, yeah. Don't do that. But it is certainly a technique. And <laughs> so there's something that's kind of cool about that where it, you separate yourself and you take control of your emotions. I am not experiencing this. Ken, you're going through this problem. How are you going to figure it out? It's a very unique psychological thing that has been proven in multiple studies. So little hack, when I start, when things start getting way out of control, mentally, it's all right, Ken, we're sitting in this podcast and this thing is shit in the bed. What do we do now? <laughs> no, uh, I, I do. I, I find that to be uh, useful. That makes sense to me. But I won't yeah. say it loud, kind of like you recommended. I think that was yeah, like, yeah. Please don't. But you can actually do that with like um, he was talking about like in children's learning. If you have a child that is struggles with doing homework and stuff, don't go up to them and say, "Why aren't you able to do this?" Just go, "Hey, how would Batman handle this?" Hey, let me ask you a question. So when you're, when you were an intern and you were working, uh, you, I know that you did uh, ER work. Do you remember how you watched yourself run your first code? You remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, totally. I, I kind of remember getting into a system where it wasn't that I wasn't present, but it felt like I was watching myself do the training, right? Right. Yeah. And um, systematically just calling for the things just as I had 
learned, but and really more how I memorized to go through the own algorithm they taught us to do. And so when I asked for things or I needed someone to chart something or we needed a med or we needed to change uh, team members or anything else like that, it's a really calm conversation. It's not really heightened. It's not screened. I think we've both been a part of some, uh, some codes that have, uh, not together, but codes to get that have uh, been kind of in disarray or kind of crazy. Yeah. And those, those are not desirable. You, you need, you, you need to be able to have someone kind of run the code that knows what the next part is, but it's being that part or playing that role before I kind of just saw myself doing it rather than I'm doing. It. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it makes total sense. My first code at the VA when I was an intern code happened and a little voice next to me was just like, you know, you got this. Stay calm. It's time for Epi. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and do this. And let's do that. And I thought it was me, but it was the, it was the senior nurse next to me the whole time. <laughs> I was like, my inner voice is awesome. But basically, it was a cool, established VA nurse going, do Epi. Do this. Was it a guy or a girl? No, it was a girl. It was Janice, and she was awesome. And I learned early on that they knew way more than I did, so I just did what they said. Well, I didn't know if you thought that you just had a really sexy voice, too. Like you <laughs> pumped yourself. All right. So to make sure that we stay within the 30-minute time zone here, we got to keep moving. All right. All right. So technique number two is temporal distancing. Dun, dun, dun. We kind of heard about that last time. The Stoics use this. Right. Basically, don't think how you feel now, but how will you feel two years from now? I mean, we're in this COVID crisis, right? If I look at you and Eric, I'm like, Eric, we're going to get through this. There's going to be vaccines. There's going to be herd immunity. There's going to be antibody testing. We're right. going to be able to fix that. There's going to be answers. Yeah, there's going to be answers. The Stoics took it to a new level where they said, think about the next generation and how you're going to tell your grandchild. Um, Ethan Cross is talking about, no, just think about it like in two years from now. So you can integrate the both. So right now what I'm telling myself is, Ken, we're going to get through this. In two years, we will be stronger. So it is a we being all of us are going to be part of this. Ken, I'm talking to myself objectively. And we know that this language is a conduit to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. The language is a conduit to control your emotions. So my final hack on how to do this. So we went through the Stoic philosophy, we went through the Ethan Cross, how to do these um, linguistic things in your head. Well, then I put it all together. And I realized that you know that I've been trying to uh, prior to all this whenever we when I actually had free time, when I was working full time and had more time. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I've tried to teach myself some neuro linguistic programming NLP. Yeah. Right. And that's what Tony Robbins does. That's what some of these great motivational speakers do. And one of the things is that if you are prone to panic attacks, then you have the ability to linguistically train your brain to bring yourself back down. And there is a technique called anchoring. Do you know what anchoring is? Do we ever talk about it? Do remember uh, the gentleman that, that visited with us in uh, Arizona briefly talked about that, but I honestly I don't know anymore. Oh wait, wait, it's an emotion that you tie back to a sensation or something like that. Like correct, uh, you pinch something when something occurs, or maybe you you may tap yourself on a knee. It kind of it's like a Pavlovian thing with the tide with something all right check out the big brain on eric yes absolutely so as it turns out if and you can do this if you're listening to this so any of my panic attack listeners you this is another slightly meditative technique but it is a mind training technique and so if you can think about an emotion so eric tell me about a happy memory oh I'll tell you about a happy memory uh goodness gracious i remember i mean a deeply emotional happy like when you think about it you just immediately just go man that was awesome yellowstone but i mean you've uh, you've told me so many stories I know. <laughs> like i don't want to give too much credence to one of them <laughs> i'll just go with the young one i can still remember without question when i when my dad uh and my mom got me a drum set i 
my dad had taught me how to play drums. And then one, one Christmas day, then uh, I had one and I was pumped. And I knew that I was tying myself to that instrument forever. And I, I loved that moment. So if you practice and you stop and meditate on that moment, and what I mean by meditate is not like a difficult thing. Just stop, cut everything out and think about it and then put a physical tie to it. And I'm not an NLP specialist, but this is what I've done. So when I want to get amped up and get happy, I hit my chest, which is what I believe Tony Robbins does. Mm -hmm. So I have a particular memory in my head where when I want to get myself revved up, you're going to go on stage, you're going to give a speech, you're going to do something where you want to be really revved up. I hit myself and that emotion, because I practiced it, allows me to amp up my my mood immediately, no matter what I'm in, because you've trained your brain to do that. So when you sit there and think about this and you just go, okay, I'm a little down now, I want to be up, then you, they talk about anything, anything you do that is not too obvious. So the, the neuro-linguistic people talk about touching their fingers together, they talk about that. I, I, I hit myself because I want to make it obvious to me. So when I want to amp up, I hit here and my memory is of a very exciting memory. That's called anchoring. And if you want to calm down, then you think of another memory that is very tranquil. So my memory when I want to calm down is me and my family in Barcelona, Spain, eating at a Michelin star rated restaurant with young kids and we're killing it. And every single time I get super stressed, and I just think, oh my God, it's overwhelming. I can't do this. I rub my thigh and I just see my family in front of me and we're eating this incredible meal and we're in Barcelona, Spain. And it's really hard to be anxious and calm at the same time. And if I'm not there again, so that's what anchoring technique is. Nice. So it, it is something that has to be practiced. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying anchoring like Wolf of Wall Street, like umba umba. <laughs> that was a little too much anchoring with some. Uh, you know, I just realized I was hitting my chest, and I was like, "That's not that's little Matthew McConaughey right there." I need to step it down a bit. But, yeah, not that. I mean, anchoring in a different way. We're like, I rub that. So if you're anxious and prone to panic, there's this technique called anchoring, and if you need it now, then there's these. These are the things that I use physically in moments that I try to make sure that if I'm aware of it. And then there's the whole breathing techniques, meditation, um, exercise, emotional gratitude, all these other things that are out there. But those are all practices. Those are all things that are, seem general. What I wanted to do today was say, this is what I do to try and stay calm that anybody can do. Sure. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. And what I want the next episode to be is for our soldiers, our frontline workers. Oh, because yeah. the next episode will be about long-term safety. I want to dedicate the next episode to our frontline workers. Eric, would you please describe what we're doing for our frontline workers right now? Man, it's, it's, uh, this is incredibly exciting. So just huge kudos to uh, to you Ken because for a really really long time you've known the benefits of polyphenols and we've had all this research just kind of sitting on the fringe and and huge thanks also to Angie for always giving us new updates but the the pandemic just thrust us right into the middle of we've got to start swimming through this information and then as you began to assemble it suddenly with the help of, of Angie really digging through and finding some cool stuff, we found out that polyphenols themselves actually function as great natural antivirals and antimicrobials. And it just so happens that we have polyphenols in Autron Teal. And it just so happens that we want to give back to people that are fighting hard for all of us. So we have a pilot program where for uh, the people that are working in a role where they happen to be a frontline worker, a frontline healthcare worker, they can simply go to autronteal.com forward slash frontline, let us know that, and then they tell us where they work, and we'll send them a complimentary bottle for a month. But even more than that, keep them up to date 
with the latest in research, how it applies to them, and then hopefully begin to recruit some other healthcare institutions to help us spread this. It's, this is not an opportunity for us to, to, to make money. This is an opportunity for us to hopefully keep healthcare workers available to us, not just for COVID if it happens to come back, but in the future. It, when, when the next pandemic occurs, when the next new virus makes its, uh, uh, its debut, we want to see if we can't make a difference and help people naturally. And what better way than to arm the people that will take care of the sick? Yeah, absolutely. And once again, we, as we always state on this show, this, this show is not about to uh, give medical advice. We are not here to tell you what to do, talk to your doctor about everything. This is a show of information. And what we're trying to say here is we are not making any claims. We are not d- saying that we can do anything, but the science speaks for itself. We are talking about the class of molecules called polyphenols. And these polyphenols have been shown to improve immunity. They've been shown to improve gut health. They've been shown to decrease inflammation. They've been shown to mitigate cytokine release, all these other things, which is why we sat there as a team, the KBS research team that developed Atrantil. And I was very honored to be part of a company that I'm very honored to be part of an office that didn't furlough anybody. I'm very honored to be part of a company that said we are willing to front the costs on this and help the frontline workers because I'm on it. My kids are on it. My staff is on it. And we're, I, I have a moral obligation to say why. And the, you know, the reason why is because we've got science that backs it. We're yeah. going to have this polyphenol page that will actually show it. So next episode is going to be dedicated to the frontline workers. And we're going to talk about cool things like, What's your decontamination routine? Um, I'm asking everybody. So if you know anybody that is in healthcare or if you watch this show, hit us up. Tell me what your decontamination routine is. I know that Laura, your, your uh, partner, CRNA, she's got a cool thing where she comes in the garage and she's got a robe there and she gets naked, puts the robe on, puts the clothes in a bag, shoves it in the wash, doesn't hug her kids, goes to the goes to the shower, decontaminates and does this. And there's a whole process, a decontamination station. We want to put everybody's best advice together. Next episode will be our frontline worker heroes episode. How do we help you to help everyone else? Because you guys are amazing. Oh, shoot, Eric, you're amazing. You're a frontline worker. Look at you. Well, yeah, I don't want to take credit like that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, because... Because Laura, Laura still uh, spends significant time in, in the hospital system also. And uh, full disclosure, I, I really don't have to do that that much anymore. I did for a long time. And, um, you know, avenue, different avenues take us different places. And, and it's, number one, thank you. But you actually put in a little bit more time in the hospital. And I, I don't want to take credit away from those who are actually getting just, a, you know, much, much more exposure and, and braving much uh, choppier waters than myself. Oh, dude, Stu and I were talking about that. You know, he's from New York and he's got, um, you know, it, when, when his friends do rotations and they think they might be exposed, mm-hmm. they don't go home to their spouses. They go get a hotel room. Yep. That's brutal. I mean, that's, that's honorable. Incredibly. Uh, but when you're in it, I mean, it, you know, I'm just, it's, I'm just happy that maybe we can at least improve somebody's gut health to improve their immune system. That's what I'm hoping for. Maybe because I'm seeing data from Argentina and Italy and different places that these molecules can do more. Definitely. That would be, it would be, it would be awesome. We have a long way to go before we get to the end of the road on, uh, what's to be discovered in uh, natural supplementation and how it can actually benefit us. And this so this, cool yeah, it's super cool. So this is awesome. This is our first um, abbreviated podcast. We went, uh, we were aiming for uh, 28 minutes. We, we went 32 minutes uh, a little overboard. So it's, it, it seems like you and I can't do anything with that, but it's important. It's an hour's worth of material. I wanted it to be short, but I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, yeah, we're an hour. So, it is what it is. So just to recap, episode five is all about coping and being happy. Uh, learn from our Greek Stoics. Uh, there's different techniques. You can listen to the episode on that. You can also sit there and reframe things, make it comedic, make it timeline, practice a little bit of negativ- negativism so that you will miss the things. And if you're 
anxious and panic. You will not think right. And ultimately, neuro-linguistic programming will help you stay calm. A little different from what we normally talk about, but I think it's important. I think it's important too. Most of all, be safe, like and share, come back and see us, hug your family, tell them that you love them, and uh, we'll hopefully see you soon with some great info. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Absolutely. Eric, thank you so much for everything that you do as a CRNA because you're, you're intubating people and stuff. You're right there. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you for what you do and, and making certain that we have uh, awesome opportunities to explore some science that may just benefit everyone. So I appreciate it. And I want to thank Angie Cook for everything she oh, does Angie. for us. Heck yeah. And, and uh, you know, while we're giving shout outs and we're going to be home, uh, you were talking, uh, I know we're going a little bit longer here, but you were talking about stuttering. Yeah, we're pretty much, pretty much doing our normal time. <laughs> yeah, we're doing our normal stuff. Uh, since, since Ken brought up his stuttering, if anybody uh, was paying attention, we lost a great icon uh, right at the very beginning of this pandemic, and, oh. and that was Bill Withers. And Love the day. Love the day. He had a stuttering problem growing up also. And if you're just interested, you just want to get caught up on his story, go to Amazon uh, Prime. I know has it. You can probably find it somewhere else if you don't want to shop with Amazon. But look for his video version of still bill documentary and that's named after one of his albums named uh, still bill but incredible recap of this man who did not care about uh the fame as much as he just wanted to make great music he just wanted to write songs i mean he was this awesome documentary so still bill fought until the day that he died to help kiddos who suffered from stuttering Love and uh, just uh, really really cool so great pick me up anyway all right, everybody, episode number COVID-5, a little more lighthearted. Thank you for everything that you do. All our frontline workers, tune in next week. Share this with anybody who works in the hospital system because we're going to go around and work diligently to figure out how to protect everyone. All right, y'all take care. Bye-bye.